0: Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the NoLcast. Uh, Bud, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, always feel really fortunate to be able to do this, but this is a show that may even have a little bit of a uh, a bounce in our step for us. This is kind of show one of the new year, so always want to thank everybody that makes the NoLcast possible. This will be our fifth year doing this as the NoLcast, and we're just exceptionally fortunate. And thank you, the listener. And we're going to jump into our season preview series, my man. And damn, if there weren't a lot of times when I didn't think we weren't going to be talking about a season preview series over the past couple of months. So that is exciting in its own uh, regard. And as always, we'll thank our friends, the title sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, one great podcast partner for us. And uh, we thank them for making everything that we do possible. And Bud, we're gonna talk about the defense today. Uh that's just one of the reasons why I'm excited. But this should be a uh this should be a fun conversation, man. And hey, I don't want to jinx us, but it sure as hell looks like we made it through one of the more ridiculous off-seasons that I, I hope we ever go through. And it looks
1: like we're on the verge of of actually kicking off a college football season. I'm excited, man. Like like online classes, on field play. Let's go. This is this is cool. Let's 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 uh let's do it. So uh, to to kind of set the table for the 2019 defensive preview, I, I wanted to kind of go back and uh, discuss last year's defense uh, a little bit, just from a, a production uh, and benchmark perspective, so we can kind of set the table uh, for for where this unit needs to be this year. Now, one thing at the top when when I'm listing off kind of where they finished in certain categories, you have to remember last year there were 130 teams. Uh, so if you finished like top 25 last year. That would be like finishing top fifteen this year because you know, there's only, only about sixty percent of teams, uh, or or so, are playing. Uh, so last year, this defense was sixty uh, first overall in SP Plus, which uh, was was a drop off from the year prior. Uh, it seems there, you know, were communication issues uh, both on the coaching staff and within the defense, which uh, caused some problems. It was a weird defense in that normally. Harlan Burnett's defenses had been like allowing big plays, but not allowing sustained drives. And yet, dude, it was strange because they actually stopped big plays at a fairly successful rate. I mean, they were 23rd nationally in explosiveness allowed, uh, but they allowed far too many sustained drives. Now, the saving grace for them, how they weren't just absolutely terrible, was that they were pretty solid in the red zone, I and mean, they were top 25 defense in terms of, of you know basically touchdown denial. In the red zone. Ultimately, this is not too bad if you're trying to run two different defenses at the same time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, two different defenses, two different kind of uh, ideas and and backgrounds, and also. And I'll I'll let you get back into it. I don't want to interrupt you. It just sticks out that the idea, maybe not totally being congruent with what everybody else wanted to do, but what we talked about last year was a defense that wanted to be super explosive and aggressive and create turnovers and give the ball back to the offense one way or another. Uh, So then when we talk about that and then talk about, you know, one of the successful aspects of it was that it uh, stopped the big play, but kind of suffered a death by a thousand cuts is just stands out to me as, you know, something that I want going into the season as to kind of an identity of a unit and then what it actually ended up being. So, uh, just something that we'll look at and always kind of try to compare what the stated goal is at the beginning of the year and what it ends up looking like in in final retrospect. All right. We will uh, pause ever so briefly to thank our friends at Madison Social. Been with us since uh since day one of the Nullcast. It's it's hard to believe that it's been five years since we we transferred over to to the Nullcast. I think we were the number one sports podcast in all of uh sports podcast dumb, which is a silly reflection of some some analytics that are, are written into that but uh Madison social's been with us since uh since the the first day that we came on air as the Dolecast, and we couldn't have a better partner and they've been uh, fantastic whether it be us doing live events and having the opportunity to meet uh so many of y'all are are just kind of a continuation of enhancing the experience uh that is being a florida state supporter so uh You know, if you're fortunate enough to make your way to Tallahassee this year to see a game, uh, we certainly encourage you to stop by. You're not doing us uh, any kind of, like, favors by going by. You're going to have an exceptional experience. You're going to be able to, uh, you know, sit out on a porch, look at Dukes Campbell, have a fantastic mimosa or no cast Bloody Mary or whatever it may be. Uh, But we just want to thank Matt and his team for being with us yet again. Uh, Like we said, couldn't have better partners. They've been great to us. They've been great to Florida State. Uh, athletic supporters in general. And uh, we look forward to doing this for another year with them. And uh, a big thank you to uh, to everybody that's made this
1: partnership as successful as it has been. So the, the, the four big issues that, that I, I think we, we point to for last year's defense, aside from the fact that they were probably running two different schemes at times or trying to mesh them together, I, I don't want to sit here and say they're actually trying to run two different defenses. They were trying to mesh elements of two different defenses together, which was unsuccessful. Uh, so they were 99th in havoc rate, which is a measure of, you know, sacks, tackles for loss, disruption, et cetera. Uh, it, it didn't seem like they really dictated terms to the offense near enough last year. And that was evident in the stat box, but also just if you're watching the games specifically here, 85th in sack rate, not very good. They didn't get after the passer very well. They were disappointingly bad when they actually got the offense. Into a, a, a favorable leverage down for the defense, right? They they were pretty bad in passing down situations. They actually weren't that bad. Uh, like they were thirty sixth nationally defense on standard downs, fifty second on passing downs, which is you know pretty poor considering some of the offenses they played really weren't that good at throwing the football. I, I do think that that speaks to the getting to the passer and to the pass coverage deal there. Um, now they they needed to force more of those long down and distance, uh, situations. But man, they're, uh, they're actually 106 nationally, uh, in, in third down, uh, success rate allowed, which is, you know, pretty poor. 122nd, 122nd in third and long success rate allowed. They actually slightly more than a third of third and longs were converted against them, which is, I mean, that's 122nd. That, that kind of says it all. Overall, though, I think the biggest defense or the biggest issue this this defense had last year was an inability to snuff out the short pass. Teams that had any kind of like modicum of passing competency could throw the ball underneath consistently on this defense for a couple reasons, And, and we'll get into the positional preview here stuff here in a second. But first, I think one of the issues was that the linebackers really didn't cover very well. Uh, in terms of actual ability to cover. I mean, you had Dontavius Jackson, who was not a good guy in coverage. Um, you know, Leonard Warner could be ex- ex- exploited in coverage at times. I-, I don't think they had a lot of speed, uh, in terms of coverage stuff on the field enough last year at linebacker. And the second thing is that their, their zone coverage concepts underneath were not executed well. And so instead of, you know, Instead of pattern matching and passing guys off to where you are decreasing the window that the quarterback has to throw in, too often it looked like they were either spot dropping to me or they were doing such a poor job of their pattern matching. And this is where I think a, a coaching improvement could help this year. They were doing such a poor job on, on their actual match stuff within their zone concepts that it just, it looked like they were just straight up just spot dropping, which is where you drop to a spot as opposed to matching. To a pattern within your assigned zone, uh, and that just left big gaps. I mean, we hell we, we saw Virginia's passer, who's not very good at all, uh, be able to find guys open underneath consistently. That was a real problem, and and teams knew they could do it. Additionally, that would work whether Florida State has a pass rush or not. That Florida State did not have a great pass rush, only exacerbated that problem. But to me that was a real issue that, that they had to, uh, that they had to address, but man, we got uh new year, right? New year, new defense. And I, I think there's some key things we should point out about, about this, this defense, this coaching staff and, and how they're going to run it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, think you did a, a real good job of putting a, uh, putting a bow on what was otherwise a, a painful experience, which was the 2019 defense. So, and uh, hey, look, uh, as we look here and we try to figure out what is going to be different, Obviously, there's tons of different uh, you know, names, uh, everybody with the exception of the defensive line coach. So when we start and we talk about what the key differences for 2020 could be, uh, first of all, I think we need to start with with personnel and coaching personnel at that. Uh, Adam Fuller, the overall uh, DC, a guy that we've spoken a lot about, a guy that both of us are, are very optimistic as to what he could bring to the team. Uh, Chris Marv, uh, a gentleman that I think we've both been kind of uh, not, not, bashful or or shy about saying it's probably a head coach within five to eight years somewhere. Uh, Papuchis, a defensive line coach, uh, defensive ends uh, in particular, and then Marcus Woodson in the back. So uh, uh, new names here, I think legitimate reason to be optimistic as to what they bring uh, to a unit and what some of the real differences that we'll see, both in uh, coaching technique and ideas to how they want schemes implemented. So uh let's talk a little bit about the beginning of uh, just the general formation now look everything's flexible when we talk about the fact that they want to run a 4-3 doesn't mean that that's what they're going to be in you know 85% of the time uh but that is kind of their base defense and it it is a little bit different from what they were doing in 2019
1: it is yeah so uh they're going to run a a quote unquote 4-3 there's basically a like a hybrid or or flex designated player at at each level this is not groundbreaking stuff, right? Like, like, look, you and I, I think, are fairly high on Adam Fuller. When, when they said Adam Fuller, I was like, okay, I've heard the name. We we had to go look up, you know, what he did at Marshall and, and then obviously what he did prior to that. But like his his numbers and his improvement at, at those prior stops are, are encouraging. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a success here, but I, I think uh, Mike Morbell has been very happy with him so far. And, and this unit will be counted on to carry this team. So with these flex positions that, that Fuller wants to run at each level, you have uh, the Fox defensive end. Now the Fox is going to play to the boundary. Uh, what does that mean? Well, there's one hash mark at the offensive, off, offensive side you know, where the ball lines up on. That's closer to the sideline. That's the boundary side. And then you have the wide side of the field. So this is basically the defensive end who's going to line up on the short side. Uh, they're going to rush him, obviously, like a normal defensive end. He's going to have run fit responsibilities. They're going to play, you know, some run games there, uh, and then he also is going to drop off into coverage some. Now, why would you play him on the boundary? Because you don't want to give your defensive end who drops into coverage some a lot of grass to cover. You want to give him a shorter amount of space to cover. If, if that makes sense to y'all, inside it's it's, it's pretty standard. You're going to have, you're going to have a three tech, which is also going to align to the boundary. Uh, you have a not not a true nose, but but it's it's it. You could—it's kind of basically like 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 a two. Uh, so you know you, you'll have you'll have a nose and a three essentially. I'm not going to get like crazy technical on this because we're we're trying to play to all audiences. Uh, now at linebacker, you're going to have your standard Mike linebacker—that's your middle linebacker, your your weak side, which is your will, uh, and then your stud linebacker. Your stud is sort of your hybrid uh, safety backer position guy who will also blitz some. He's going to align to the field. Again, this is your most athletic linebacker. Makes sense to align him to the field because he might have the capability to cover more space. Uh and then in the in the secondary, they, they just they they call it a buck, but it's basically just a free safety and a strong safety. Your buck is going to be your strong safety. He's going to align to the boundary. Again, it's just about, you know, covering space. So you with, with your buck, he's going to be covering less space, so he's going to align to the boundary he'll be involved more in the run fits he's going to be down in the box more and he can blitz more as far as coverage stuff uh fuller does like to do some split safety coverages uh, I, I think he he i think he believes this really helps again against the rpo game that we're seeing um this is a very important part of of modern college football defense right is being able to present different looks being able to not tip your hand as much to the offense in, in order to confuse the quarterback as much as you can. That seems kind of simplistic, but that's really kind of the, the goal here is to confuse them. Um, I also think that this defense will will probably take more chances than last year's defense did. Uh, last year's defense was absolutely incredible at not getting hit by a play action over the top on first downs. Like they really did a good job of not allowing those big plays and early downs. However, they were 93rd in the country in standard down success rate allowed. So while they really hung back and didn't get hit by those big plays, I mean they they were allowed a forty nine point eight percent success rate on first down. I think Adam Fuller will will accept the trade off to where they allow you know a little bit less success rate to create more of those favorable down and distances for the defense in exchange maybe for giving up so, some you know, some bigger plays. Uh, they they want to create an average third down distance that is longer than what they had last year. And I, I think they should be able to do so. Last year's run defense, pretty solid. You know, at, at times, they, they really did a good job of not allowing the big run. They just, too often, I think the, not because of, of personnel or talent, really, but I, I think this was a coaching issue in some ways. They didn't always have their run fits down. And so it did seem like teams could, could more consistently than I think you wanted them to, or or than they probably should have been able to, be able to get four yards when when they needed it at least relative to the talent Florida State has up front. So they want to build on that solid run defense, I think, and then fix a pass defense, which was just too easy to get what you needed underneath against consistently.
0: Yeah, too easy when you look at the composition of this roster and where some of the elite talent is is uh, is located. It just doesn't make sense, some of the defensive struggles that you had. And, and I agree with you. It's uh, to kind of, if you want to state a simplified goal, uh, from this unit, it is to continue to be solid on on your run defense and, and up front, and then build on that pass rush, build on the ability to impact uh the thrower, uh whether that you know comes with a with a standard rush or, or getting more exotics involved. Uh, I think you want to continue to to build off a of strength and then also kind of begin to exert your own want on on the other unit, which for whatever reason never never came to fruition last year. So let's switch into looking at each position. In years past, we've done like individual pods for each position. We're just not going to do that this year, both because of some uncertainty as to the roster, and we think we can kind of group these in in a little bit broader conversation. So um, we're just going to do a defense and and move to the offense in the future here. But at defensive end, let's go ahead and look at – at the pieces that are on the roster currently. Josh Kando is a guy that has uh, you know, obviously had, uh, had a really successful offseason and seems to have uh, fully bought into what is expected of him and the broader overall expectations of the program. A guy that you're hearing talk about could potentially be a team captain, uh, which I think is nothing but good news. So when you look at the traditional end, you're talking about Kando, you're talking about a kid from Tucker, Derek McClendon, uh, Curtis Fan Jr., is uh, Curtis Thane Jr. is another guy that I would look at. So why don't we uh, take a look at the end, and then we'll move over to the the Fox uh, position that you talked about and give people an idea as to the players and responsibilities of, of that unit.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't know if John Petrus is excited about what he has to work with here at, at this position, but I don't think he should be that bummed. Um, you have two guys who are, are veterans in terms of years. Uh, in in Generous Robinson and Josh Kendo, who are are your presumptive starters? Kendo at, at at the end spot, and then Generous at, at the Fox position, which is what we explained earlier in this episode. uh So Kendo, he's listed six seven two sixty one. I I kind of buy it. I mean, he looks like he he's just freaky looking man. Like he he's always looked that way, even back when I was covering him at, at IMG. A really bright guy. You know, wanted wanted to be a, a a doctor in high school. I, I haven't talked to him real recently to see if he's if he still wants to pursue uh, that track. He wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. We we actually shot a video on it. Real nice dude, just all, always smiling, like loved by his teammates down there uh, and, and at Florida State. And you can really tell that the team is is rooting for him. You know, and there was a lot of questions like, was he going to stay at Florida State back back you know last off season and You know, rumors like how happy was he? And the thing was, it it was never really about talent. I, I think for the most part, it was about injury, man. Like Josh Kando has just been unable to stay healthy at Florida State for long enough stretches. I mean, last year, seven tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, you know, one sack. That's not because of ability. That's just because of availability and. From all accounts, both public scrimmage reports and also you know what we're hearing on, on on the side from from our sources, dude, he's been tearing it up. And we did buy or sell a couple of weeks ago about like how much do you buy into this defensive end group? And and I think I sold on the overall defensive end group as far as the, their them being elite, but Kendo is potentially an individual exception to this to me. I, I think he really has the ability. To be an impact player for them this year, and I was when well, I was drinking my coffee this morning, I was going over the outline. I thought, man, you have so much potential for trouble, disruption, and and just havoc on the inside. You don't necessarily need your defensive ends to be all world players. You just need them to not be zeros. And Kento's a guy who I think can be a plus player both in the pass game. And the run game. He has some twitchiness relative to his size that not not a lot of guys have. You actually, despite his total lack of production so far in his career, you are seeing him on NFL draft boards, at least the, the ones that, you know, these, these draft guys put together in the preseason, which are, you know, inherently sketchy. The guy was a five star for a reason. It doesn't look like he's lost a step. Uh, he, this is clearly his money year. And I know the staff is really excited about him. This is, Whether you buy into this kind of motivational stuff or not, uh, he was chosen to, to break the rock. I don't know if you saw that. They, they do this thing where they take the sledgehammer and they, they, you know, they break a rock. Uh, and so he was chosen for that. I I think he will end up being potentially a captain. If, if he stays healthy, I gotta think Josh Kando is, is going to have a really big year and that could actually turn that one defensive end position into a strength if he stays healthy and, and stays on the field because he's, He's just torn, torn the offensive line to bits and can't, from what, we, what we've been told.
0: Yeah, certainly is, and I always have to have the the conversation as to how much that is uh, based off the unit that he's going up against, but uh, LaCando is, is I think, one of the more sure things. Uh, obviously, that's with the, the filter of him being healthy, but uh, a really exciting piece that, as you said, is in his money year, and I think has the ability to be
1: you know, one of the more impactful defensive linemen that this program's had in a while. So you hope you get that year, right? Like because like he, he profiles to me as a classic one of these dudes who's like, okay, doesn't really didn't really do anything in college, never really lost the ability, gets into an NFL camp, and like, oh yeah, by the way, this guy's starting for us on our NFL team. You know? like you you hope you get that
0: year out of him. Yeah, add him to the the list of guys to where the production on Sunday just didn't match what uh, what this program got out of him. On Saturday. Uh, so Derek McClendon is the next individual we want to talk about here at this position. Uh, you know, with all due respect to McClendon and, and the other guys, there's there's as big of a drop off here. as probably there is. Uh, there's a drop off at various places, and that just happens when you have a roster like this. But McClendon and Fan are both promising players, but you know, it, it's when you talk about Kendo and the things that we expect from him, and then when you talk about McClendon and Fan, it's a it's a very different conversation.
1: Yeah. So I, I think the drop off here is, is pretty significant. Uh, we can kind of group McClendon and, and Fan together. So McClendon, I think has more pass rush ability than does Curtis Fan. Curtis Fan's a little bit squattier. McClendon is a little, little bit built a little more like, like Kendo. He's a little bit longer, a little more of your prototypical defensive end role. Uh, now. Neither of these guys, I don't think, are going to be asked to drop back in coverage a whole lot. Although I think McClendon probably could play some of the fox role, uh, whereas Fan, I don't think you really want to have him in coverage. Uh, if these guys can give you some solid rotational snaps, maybe McClendon on on pass rushing downs if he has to sub in for Kendo if Kendo need, needs a blow or you know if for some reason he's out of the game, which is a you know a realistic possibility we have to entertain because he has been uh, you know injured at times or well. For the majority of his career. Uh, so McClendon is a guy that I think they could get some positive production out of this year. You know, Fan, I think has been mentioned in some, in some of the, uh, the post practice uh, interviews with, with, Norvell and Fuller. Uh, so we can't really count him out, but, uh, I ultimately McClendon is, is I think one of your better backups here at this spot, but that's assuming that they keep the positional designations throughout the year. And that's not something that I think maybe we should assume. Uh, because there are some backups at the Fox position who I also think could get some run at the more standard, uh, you know, defensive end spot here. Uh, but first we should probably talk about the starter at the Fox position. Yeah. So somebody
0: that we've uh, mentioned a couple of times in the past pods, Janarius Robinson, a guy that was a big recruiting win for Florida state out of the, out of the panhandle there, a guy that's a, uh, you know one of the one of the people that you you put into the first off the bus category uh, looks as much of a football player as as anybody on the roster and it's uh, at times it's clicked for generics and then at times it, it really hasn't so uh, a guy that there were flashes there was there were certainly games or moments in games last year uh, where it looked like the light was really starting to come on and then you know there were there were games where it just looked like Genarius was out there and playing ball, but not really uh being impactful. So uh a guy that is, you know, well thought of in the locker room and a guy that's kinda hard to believe that uh that his time is, <laughs> as a Florida State player is coming coming to an end. But uh Robinson is the starter there at the at the Fox. And I think he did a good job of explaining that as far as how they line up, what the expectation of the position is and kind of how they came to that idea. Uh, but when you look at the starter, you look at Robinson, and then some of the other names we'll talk about is Quashawn Fuller, uh, Josh Griffiths, and then, uh, Deontay Williams.
1: Robinson is a guy who has never really developed in, into the pass rusher that, that you hoped he could be. He was very raw coming out of high school. He's a player I, I got to see quite a bit, both in, in games and then also, uh, in person. Um, he was a productive player for them last year. 36 tackles. Uh, he did have nine tackles for loss. Uh, 12 run stuffs, only three sacks and not a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He, he's just, he's not real twitchy. His get off is, is not great. And I, and I don't think he has the best, you know, secondary encounter moves in, in the pass rush game, but ultimately he is a fairly solid, you know, run defender. Uh, 12 run stuffs. This might surprise you. It actually, it actually led the team, uh, last year. So that was kind of, kind of impressive. Um, now granted, you know, I know Marvin, uh, missed a little bit of time with injury, but you can kind of see. So Kendo, you know, two and a half tackles for loss relative to seven tackles. Like Kendo is your guy who is more explosive, more potentially, uh, havoc producing than Robinson. Robinson, I mean, look, if Robinson just gives you the year that he gave you last year with maybe a little bit better play, you're taking that to the bank all day because that's a fairly solid defensive end starter. In the ACC with experience I and mean, he's a, you know, he's a senior now. If he gives you the pass rush, then this defense could turn into something really, really, really good. If he doesn't give you the pass rush, which I don't really have a whole lot of expectation that it's going to happen, uh, then this defensive end unit could still be fairly decent if both Kando and Robinson stay healthy. The, the issue is going to be. Uh, what happens afterwards? Cause I got to tell you, man, like the, the experience level here, I'm, I'm looking down my, my returning, returning stats chart. Um, uh, fan, Quayshawn Fuller, Josh Griffiths, obviously a true freshman. Deontay Williams played for Baylor and then, you know, sat a year out due to injury and, and, uh, or maybe two years. Um, I think he was a starter on a 2017 team, which is a while ago. You, you have a, a, it's a concerning lack of experience here. On the defensive, at the defensive end position, once you get past the starters. And honestly, Kendo doesn't have that much experience. He just has a lot of years in the program. So I, I'm not really worried about him, but Quayshawn Fuller is a name who has been, been talked about a lot at a practice, a guy that I'm very familiar with, obviously, because, you know, back when I lived in Fort Myers, uh, I was able to see him quite a bit at Lehigh High School. Uh, last year there were some questions, you know, would he be a defensive tackle? Would he be a defensive end? He's always insisted that he's going to stay. At defensive end, uh, he has lost a good bit of weight. He, he sees himself as a defensive end. Uh, I'm interested to see how he looks if they do decide to drop him into coverage there, uh, from you know from that fox position. Assuming he stays taking reps at fox, uh, or if he moves over to more of the inside. Uh, but right now, he looks more like a like a bigger defensive end rather than a defensive tackle. Uh, and Florida State certainly needs help. At the defensive end spot, so Quayshawn's insistence that he wants to be at the end may end up helping Florida State out because if if he had you know stayed at D tackle size, I think that would I don't know that he'd be getting a lot of reps at D tackle given what they have, uh, but also that would leave a little bit of a hole at the end spot. So I he's a dude though. Okay, if you tell me Quayshawn Fuller in coverage, I'm not real excited. In fact, I'm like, eh, let's just not drop guys into coverage if Quayshawn Fuller is your fox, but. Physicality, explosiveness relative to his size, length, the ability to cause some some disruption and some havoc. I, I think Fuller is a guy where there could be something to look forward to there. I think he is is fairly bought in, and, and they've they've been praising him a whole lot. Uh, so he's a guy for certainly to look at. Josh Griffiths is a true freshman uh, out of IMG. I have questions in terms of long term upside about the burst. I don't know. That he is twitchy enough, uh, but he is a guy who, and this is kind of stereotypical, but like the way he wins typically is power and second move. Right, he doesn't typically win a whole lot on on burst and and for, and first move. You know, and and beating everybody off the line of scrimmage. Although once in a while, sure, but it's continuing to to you know to go to go after the play. It's it's counter moves. It's a lot a lot of, a lot of cleanup stuff that that's that's really kind of how he how he won in high school and looking at the camp clips, except for the one where he was totally unblocked and everybody went went nuts like oh guys that's that's just somebody not blocking him it looks like that's kind of what he's still doing it, it's it's being persistent and if that's what you get out of your third or fourth string defensive end from a freshman uh who we should note looks physically ready, right like he's a dude who does look ready from a physicality standpoint. That's pretty solid, dude. I, I think you have to feel okay if he's your, your third-string guy, but I'm not even sure he's your third-string guy because you also have a former Baylor transfer, Deontay Williams, who's come in, and, and I, I think I had very low expectations for him given that he couldn't crack the starting lineup at Baylor for the last couple of years coming off injury. He's a legacy at Florida State. I thought, okay, like maybe they're just taking this guy to get some experience because they do have a disturbing lack of experience there. In the defensive end room, and yet there's been some positive stuff out of practice there too. Now, as you made a great point earlier, and we've, I think we've said this in the off season a good bit, temper all enthusiasm for defensive end reports out of practice. <laughs> you know, because we know Florida State just doesn't have ACC quality tackles that they're going up against, and if you're going up against the second team, some of your walk-ons have a field day at times. So, I feel okay about this unit. Like, like what what's your what's your confidence rating on, 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 on this unit would, would like is this one of the better units on the team is this one of the more weak spots on the team I is it kind of more towards the middle what what do you think yeah I mean and the, like every unit if this one gets hit by
0: injuries then we're talking about a whole different expectation uh, but if they stay healthy as far as a confidence level as to what that they can do kind of what we've talked about over the past 15 20 minutes, 8, 8.5 out of 10. I mean, I, I think if Kendo's healthy, I feel really confident about what you'll get out of him. If Robinson is healthy, I don't have any expectations for greatness, but I do think that you can expect to see what he did last year, you know, plus an extra 5, 8, 10%. Um, and then there's some guys here that I, you know, look, I, I share some of your concerns with Quayshawn. With and, 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 you know, if you got him, dropping back in pass coverage, but that's a big kind of agile athlete that can make it tough to throw around. Uh, I think you got some good pieces here. I do. McClendon and and fan, uh, I'll have to see before I really believe that would be, look, if Kando gets injured, then this is all a different story. But uh, if they stay healthy and the pieces that they have here, I'm pretty certain that what we're talking about, our our listeners and and broader fans of the program uh, can expect to see here.
1: I, so if, if they stay healthy, I, I, I think your, your grade of, of like an eight is, is fair. So if D tackles are like a 10 and tight end is like a negative one, uh, I, you know, on that kind of scale, which I mean, come on, they're tight ends. Like I didn't think it'd be possible to have a worse group than the offensive line, but the tight end group is just, I think I'd give them like a, like a five factoring in injury potential and, and, and depth, I guess, especially cause COVID, right? Like, like well, you don't have to get hurt to miss games this year. It's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a new, you know, a new reality we're in. I mean, Auburn just had to shut down practice. We're recording this on, on a Tuesday morning. Auburn had to shut down practice because they had 16 guys out. Like that's LSU and Oklahoma have each had like total position groups just get wiped out for, for 10 days. But I think we could feel fairly solid at this. I'd feel a little bit more solid if they still had Dennis Briggs, but Dennis Briggs did decide to opt out earlier in camp. He's a, a guy who I think was going to be an impact player for them. And we obviously respect any athlete's decision to opt out, especially in a college game where they're they're not being paid. All right, bud, we have a new commitment to talk about. Now, we
0: are talking about a partner with us and not uh, necessarily a high school kid declaring for Florida State, but we are really excited to be able to talk about pairing with uh, Congruity HR. So, this is a a partnership that we've been working on for a while and has only been made a little bit more complicated uh, with COVID. But You know, really thrilled to be able to announce uh, us being able to work with them on what we consider kind of show one for the year. So, uh, when we talk about what, you know, Congruity offers and what they do, uh, we're really talking about like an advanced HR service. Matt and his team are are big Knolls. Uh, We're excited to be able to tell you more about them uh, over time. We're really excited to be able to bring them on as a partner. Uh, when you talk about congruity, you're talking about uh, professional employer organization and how they make uh businesses better. You know, when you look at people who work with PEOs, uh you're talking about companies that are 50% less likely to go out of business. You're talking about companies that grow nine percent faster. You're talking about companies that have fourteen percent less turnover. So from a complete HR perspective, we really encourage you to give congruity a look. Like we said, you know, similar to to previous sponsors we have, Uh, we think they're going to only make your business better. And we think you're probably going to talk about Florida state safeties and defense alignment while while you do that process. So excited to be able to pair with Matt numbers 844-247-4100 info at congruityhr.com from an email perspective. And uh, Matt Lewis and his team is a great addition to the NOLCast and one that we're really excited to, uh, to work with and
1: partner for the next year. Absolutely, man. Awesome sponsor for us. And we're really, really excited about our new partnership. And uh man, we, we're we're loaded up on our sponsor slot, slots this year. So uh with that, let's go ahead and get into the defensive tackle position here. Uh the most exciting position on the team, in my opinion. The the, the best position on the team. This group is just freaking loaded. I mean, let's let's not sugarcoat this thing. You you can there's been a lot of negative stuff about Florida State recently. This ain't it. This is exciting stuff. Uh so you want to lead off with Marvin Wilson talk because that's that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know that there's a ton that we need to
0: explain to the audience as to what Wilson brings. It's just it's great to uh, to have one of the better players and you know, on the defensive side in all of college football. Uh, and really thrilled about the prospect and and really I mean, look, we're not going to sit here and throw a bunch of personal flowers at everybody, but the person that Wilson. Has turned into over his time in Tallahassee. It's it's impressive. You're talking about real growth uh, as an individual, and man, Marvin is. Uh, I don't know that there's as much of a clear cut leader on a football team. I don't know. Probably since Telvin Smith, Lamarcus Joyner. I mean, I think you got to go back to to looking at somebody like that. So I I don't want to tell you a whole much about what the football player is. I, I think you know if you've watched him, uh, can be exceptionally disruptive, uh, I think is, is poised to be one of the more, uh, dominant defensive players in all of college football. And Hey, uh, I'm still, I'm still on a high, a personal high that he came back and is playing uh, for Florida state again. And that, uh, you know, you've made your way through the off season and, and Wilson's kind of emerged as the the character and leader that he has. And, uh, I think it, you know, just enjoy every minute of it because, uh, it's a special player, and that's uh you know that's going to be an awful lot of fun to watch this
1: year. Six four three eleven uh, is going to play that kind of more nose position at the two technique. Pretty much demands double team. Uh, you 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 single block him at your own risk. He's a guy who I think is going to be able to go all out every single play, especially because of the depth that Florida State has this year. I mean, if and we know Odell has never been afraid to rotate his his defensive tackles this year. I, I think that. You know, long time DT coach Odell Higgins is going to be really excited about that depth that he has and, and having Marvin Wilson be able to go all out every, every play and really be a, a dominant disruptive force for you in the middle is, is going to be big. I mean, look, he came back for a reason, whether it's to get his degree or because he didn't like his draft grade. There, there, there are some things he, he can do better. Like he could be a, a more impactful pass rusher. Uh, but in run wise, he's, He's a damn good player, man. He's you know thirteen and a half havoc plays last year, ten and a half run stops, uh, eight and a half tackles for loss. I I think that last thing I said is is where we want to see some improvement, right? Can obviously his job is is to eat double teams, uh, but it's also to to split double teams and to get into the backfield some and and make more impact plays there. There are also times last year where I think he did make impact plays in the backfield, and then the backers didn't clean it up, you know. And it's like, wait, he, he just. He didn't make the tackle in the backfield, but he made the running back significantly change course, and then nobody was there to help him out. He's the best player on your defense, in my opinion, and uh, a likely first-round pick, I, I think. Uh, so, yeah, Wilson is is the kind of cornerstone of this defense. Uh, moving to the other side, uh, Corey Durden was your best interior pass rusher last year, and and he obviously got hurt and had off-season surgery. Uh, but five sacks from the defensive tackle position last year, or I guess technically, you know, "quote unquote" DN because they were playing those those five techs in, in their thirty-four alignment. Uh, w- when they were in that six and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, uh, nine run stuffs. Durden is your kind of twitchier, longer, more pass rusher type, which which is perfect for that three tech spot to really be that true penetrator. Uh, I have a little bit of questions about him as far as early in the year because we know he didn't get to participate fully in camp. He had the off-season surgery. So, you know, kind of question, like, is he going to be that t- tip-top shape Corey Durden uh, from a strength and, you know, that that type of persp- perspective early in camp? I guess we'll see. But, dude, like, he's a really good player in his own right. And I, I think a guy who is is very likely to get drafted, assuming that he's going to be healthy uh, this season, if he doesn't start, You got some pretty good options. And and I don't think we're like I don't I don't think we're glossing over this this defensive tackle group. Because if those two guys are healthy, there are not a lot of interior combos in the country that I'm taking over these dudes, right? I mean, Georgia probably has an argument. Other than that, like would you take Clemson's two interior guys over them? I I don't know that I would. Probably not. This is a really potentially special group and it can make up and Disguise some stuff that, you know, you may not want opponents to know about your defense. Like maybe the linebackers are, are just okay, especially if, if they're, if they're better coached this year. This, they, they can be kind of your, your racer group and, and really secure, you know, your A gap, B gap type stuff for you. Like this is, that's not great football analysis there, but A gap, B gap type stuff or. Hey,
0: look, I'll, I'll convert it to just old school football talk. You you've got your strongest unit. And to answer your question, I'm not sure there is anybody in the country that I would trade these guys with. And, and that's a, uh, not a statement that we could make for, for many or any other unit. Uh, but if, if you're going to have that strength, then, you know, let's go old school football talk. And you want your strengths as, as close to the line of scrimmage and as close to the ball as possible. And, uh, if that's what you're building your defense around and that's a, uh, Two pieces that you think are as good as anybody in the country, then that's a that's a hell of a foundation with which to to build the rest of the group around. And there and there's other names here. Now, look, are, are they you know Wilson and Junior? Uh, no, not necessarily. But I think there's legitimate optimism for for the Fabian Lovett kid, the the transfer in from Miss State. By all accounts, he has uh, you know worked himself into the program seemingly uh, in a in a fairly seamless motion, and and that seems to have been a good fit. Uh, the The Jackson kid out of Louisville that we've talked about, I think you may still see him at some end stuff situationally, but that kid's moved in and kind of grown into a tackle, a guy that we've been pretty blunt about. We think is either going to be major productive or not. You know, I, I think that's either a boom or bust situation, but is again another really solid name. And then you know, Robert Cooper is a is one of those kids that I think when he leaves, he's going to feel like he's been on the roster for a decade but he's he's continued to work his body uh you know reshape his body and uh I do agree with you that I think some of that's overblown because of where he was in high school and the overall transformation that's taken place but man Cooper is a Cooper is a hell of a piece uh that I think you can be really excited about and and uh kind of when you look in the years you know years future that you're really building the line around but uh so many Man, there's not <laughs> there's not too many places on this on this roster where there's just an abundance of talent and and uh, guys that you can kind of gush about even as, as second string players but this is definitely it and if you're a Florida State you know supporter and you want to feel exceptionally optimistic about what this defense can do
1: then then the conversation starts here at defense tackle there's no doubt about it man this is a a potentially really special group of backups. Fabian Lovett, getting him as a transfer from Mississippi State is, is absolutely huge. He's come in and been an impact player at camp for everything we've been told. Robert Cooper, I think if he does end up starting with, with, with Durden, you know, missing a good bit of camp, uh, I think he actually has some upside as a penetrator. We, we, we think of him as that kind of, you know, fire hydrant, wide body, immovable guy. And, and I think he is difficult to move, certainly. Uh, but he also can can get into the backfield some. Jared Jackson, I yeah, I, I agree with that. I think long term, he's either, either a big time player or, or, or not. I mean, and that, that's largely dependent on you know, him, him wanting, wanting to be that and, and, and being in shape. He certainly has some ability. Uh, Louisville was, was not sad to see him go when, when he transferred. So if Forest State is able to get something out of him, you know, that's, that's certainly a, a really, a really big deal for them. I mean, look, guys, we said it in the defensive end spot, like when, when we asked for what your confidence rating here, my, my confidence rating in this unit is, is a 10. Like, this is the best unit on the team. It's the best unit on the team, I think, by a lot. And I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. Like, if this defense reaches its potential, as we'll talk about more in Episode 2, it's going to be because of what this defensive tackle group is able to do. All right, man, let's pause real quick to thank Shannon Young and, and, and Chad, the guys who did my home loan and my refi, 844-FSU-LOAN, FSU Home Loans com We're closing in on 80, 80 null cash listeners. Dude, that's, that's like a neighborhood of, of, of NoLcash cash loans, man. So 844 FSU loan, best loan guy in the business for my, for my money. Give Shannon the call again, 844 FSU loan. You won't be disappointed.
0: All right, man. I think that'll put a bow on the first part of our, uh, our preview for the 2020 season. Uh, this has been a, a lot of fun. And like we said at the beginning, just really excited. Excited to be able to do this for another year. Excited to be able to talk about a football season that has made its way through a rather unorthodox off-season and, and very much appears here on the preface of of starting off, man. So again, thank you to all our sponsors. Thank you to you, the listener. It's been a hell of a ride that Bud and I have been able to go on for you know 10 years overall or so and just ever so fortunate to be able to continue to be able to do this. So and a whole lot of excitement as to what this season has uh, on hold. And uh, we'll look forward to coming back here soon, previewing the uh, rest of the defensive uh, defensive group, look at the linebackers and uh, secondary. And, Bud, Uh, until then, this has been another episode of the Knollcast. This has been the Knollcast. The Knollcast is created and hosted
1: by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson go nose